This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family hey what's happening people good morning and welcome into the new time if you are with us live here on bet and breakfast if you are with us live congratulations it is just (laughs) after 7 a.m on the east coast if you're you're an early riser on the west coast welcome as well and if you're joining us on demand through our podcast we're happy to have you here it is super bowl week very exciting times here over at BetSided. I'm Ben Heisler. With me is Peter Dewey and Reed, Wall- and Reed Wallach. The Monday crew is here. I feel like this last week was in that weird transition for everybody, and maybe not so much for you guys because you're, you're, you're big uh, college basketball and NBA buffs, but for, for me, who's just been so focused throughout most of the season on football, I kind of had that scratch for a while that I was just looking to itch, and then it's like, all right, I got I got a Pro Bowl. I got to wait another week. <laughs> How do you guys feel like just as NFL fans and betters having this extra week? Do you feel like your team is on a buy in a sense? Like where, where's kind of your mindset at this point? Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a it's a weird feeling because like like you said, like we've had what twenty straight weeks of football, and so then you have like this Pro Bowl break, which I mean I can't tell you the last time I watched the Pro Bowl, and from everything I saw yesterday on Twitter, it, it was not even a competition yesterday, which is fine. That's what it should be. Nobody should be getting hurt in that game. Right. Um, but so like it's it's very interesting because there's when you see all those props come out and stuff like there's a part of me that's like oh should I jump on this and then there's also a part of me that's like okay we got ten days till this game like maybe we need to wait and 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 bet something after you know what I mean for sure what about for you Reed is it is it nice to have at least the finality coming up in a week knowing that this is the end of it all yeah it was like a weird week because I feel like. It was almost like everyone wanted a pause after like a crazy playoffs. There wasn't a lot of, I feel like it was a pretty subdued um, Super Bowl. I guess like this in between week, I feel like with the maybe Bengals and Rams aren't driving as much media. I imagine this week it's going to kick up, but it was like almost a little reprieve, like as someone who is really into college basketball and such that this is what we're going to you know, I'm kind of going to get my time with college basketball for a little bit, but now with the NFL coming back, it's nice. I didn't watch the pro bowl though. I don't, I don't do that stuff, but um, no, I think it's good. Everyone got to settle in. I'm excited to see where this next week goes. I think the market's pretty set from a betting perspective. And now in my opinion, I've been kind of more interested in props anyway, because I don't have a strong feeling on the game still nothing's really changed on my front. So I'm kind of just ready to get into the weeds here on props. I know we're going to have like a prop draft later in the week, a lot of great stuff on bet side, and we're going to really hit on really the ins and outs and 
get into this. So I'm pumped from like this next six days getting into the ins and outs of how this game is going to go down. Yeah, me too. I, I think there's always a scenario where we're like, well, what if what if we run out of things to talk about? The betting market, will, right? That's <laughs> that's the beauty of the Super Bowl is that the betting market will not allow you to have you know a lack of topics. There is always something. There's thousands of props right now across the sports books, certainly over at WinBet for anybody interested in checking those out. And while we certainly can't cover the thousands of options, um, you know, we've put together a Super Bowl hub over at BetSide that includes uh, all of our coverage leading up to the game. So whatever props we're going to be on, same game parlays, um, you know, breaking down the actual game itself, that's all going to be there uh, over at BetSide. But I wanted to, to start things off today because on the show today, of course, as Reed mentioned, we will dive into some props. We're all going to give one prop that we are almost convinced is going to move by the end of the week. So for anybody looking to jump on early, this is a great opportunity to do so. We will, of course, have our best bets coming up at the end of the show for Monday as well. I'm on an NBA game for today. Uh, Peter, not surprisingly, is also on one particular NBA team. You'll find out what that is in, in just a few minutes. Uh, Reed looking on the college basketball side. Again, not a surprise there as well. But I wanted to start things off today um, with which is sort of taking our collective temperature a little bit because we were on last week right after the lines came out um, for Super Bowl 56. And Peter and I had early leans. And, and Reed, you were still waiting and trying to collect your, your senses, but you still had a lean to a certain extent. I want to go to you now and take that early lean that you had and ask you the following question. How are you feeling about it one week later? Are you, are you all in on it? Are you back in wait and see approach? Or are you maybe starting to flip flop? Remember the line is Rams minus four Bengals are plus plus one sixty five as an underdog money line win. And the total right now at 48 and a half, um, the line has moved just a tad from where it opened at, at three and a half up to four. Uh, and the total has moved down from 50 down to 48 and a half. So given all of what you know over the last week, Reed, uh, where are you as far as this opening line a week later? Yeah, I'm kind of where I started. I'm not in a rush to jump in. I don't think this line's going to move significantly. I just keep coming back to getting this over a field goal. Again, I for those that didn't listen last week, I lean towards the Bengals with the points. I'm gonna end. I'm not gonna bet the Rams in this game. It will be a Bengals or pass for me. And if not, I'll just bet on you know a bunch of props and all that. That is what's interesting to me anyway. But again, just getting over a key number. Both these quarterbacks, we've seen them thrive coming from behind. Last man with the ball. I just think that there are ways for the Bengals to hold off this Rams pass rush. The Rams. I'm gonna have a bunch of deep dive previews later this week. But the Rams aren't gonna blitz. I don't think. I think they're gonna try and win with a four man front. But Joe Burrow is really good against zone defense, which is the Rams' point of attack typically. And I, this is all going to thread together with my prop and stuff. But Burrow, I think, is going to be able to get the ball out quick. We saw the Niners find success against that in the NFC Championship game against the Rams with uh, quick screen passes at Debo Samuel. I think the Bengals are going to be able to win that way and slow this game down. Um, again, maybe an underlook. But, yeah, getting this over a field goal, though, it just feels like this game is going to come down to the last team with the ball. So it feels important to get those numbers, those key numbers, so, yeah, it's still – I'm kind of where I was before, a slightly into the Bengals, but this isn't like a, yep, let's back it up. We're going Bengals heavy here, which a great co-host of mine, I imagine, is going to be saying right after I jump off. Yeah, I am I am all over the Bengals still. Um, I literally took the mic you guys said, like I said last show, the second that line came out, I was, I was on the Bengals. I just – I keep coming back to, like, 
it comes down to who do I trust at quarterback? Because I think these teams are very equal. I guess the Rams have a strong pass rush, and that is going to be an issue for the Bengals' offense line. But Joe Burrow's been great under pressure this year. He's been great under pressure in the playoffs. Like, he got sacked nine times against the Titans, and he did not make the big mistake. They still were able to win that game, which, like, you think about it. A lot of quarterbacks, you take nine sacks, you're probably completely out of the game. They were never out of that game. They were winning that game basically the entire time. So I think there's there's a way, like Reed said, he can pick apart his own defense. If they only try and blitz four and they try to get home with Von Miller, Aaron Donald, I think that actually benefits the Bengals a little bit. I think they can kind of just – dink and dunk their way down the field they don't have to throw the ball down the field if you if you blitz and you play a lot of man maybe they have to take some deep shots you let you get home a couple times but I think this comes down to the quarterback situation I just don't I don't trust Matt Stafford not to turn the ball over he should have turned the ball over and basically lost the NFC championship game I just think at some point it's going to come down to is Matt Stafford going to make the big mistake or not and I, I think this Bengals defense this entire time has been really underrated. Like they shut down Patrick Mahomes in the second half. They didn't allow Tyree Kill to make a catch. Like I know they didn't look great in the first half, but the adjustments Zach Taylor has made in certain games this year have been super, super impressive. And I just think that's being overlooked because of the talent on the Rams side. There's no doubt they have more talent on the roster on paper, but I mean, it goes the whole way. And we've seen Sean McVay do some questionable stuff as Reed has mentioned before and in timeouts and stuff. So I don't think this is, you know, a clear cut. The Rams deserve to be four point favorites. I'm on the Bengals money line, but if I wasn't all over the Bengals, I, I would love the plus four getting it through through three for sure. All right. So you both make incredibly compelling points for the Bengals side. And that's part of the reason that I'm very wait and see when it comes to my initial lean on the Rams at minus four. I, I still have the belief that the Rams pass front or the Rams pass rush is, is going to get through. Um, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Bengals offensive line with how they move guys around, especially uh, with Donald being able to create pressure wherever they line him up. Um, the, the, the nine sacks given up against Tennessee, you were right. Like they were able to survive that, but in most scenarios, it's very difficult for me to fathom a, a situation in where a quarterback gets sacked nine times and still is able to find a way to still take opportunities and shots downfield with the Rams. You have more talent all over the field compared to Tennessee, which has most of their, uh, of the talent up front. So I, I still think Burrow is going to be running for his life. And that's part of the reason that there's a prop that I'm on, which I'll get to in a little bit later, but I'm still all in on the under because I do think that there's going to be a pressure generated up front. I still think Stafford is capable of, of making that mistake. Um, and, and even if one team does get off to a serious lead, uh, you're still going to have a, a wide variety of, of opportunities uh, for both offenses to, to make mistakes. And they're also run dominant teams. I think a lot of folks forget that the Rams like to run the ball. They see Matthew Stafford. They see him second in the league in touchdowns. They see him taking a bunch of shots downfield to Cooper Cup, to Odell Beckham. But they like to be conservative. John McVay has actually been ridiculed for a lot of his conservative play calling, especially in second halves of games. So if the Rams go into halftime, maybe up a touchdown, I, I, and this that line sort of continues, they're going to be incredibly conservative the rest of the way, uh, knowing what they know and knowing situations where they've had tendencies to either blow leads or to give up the big play at the wrong time. So I, I love this under still. And the fact that it stayed at 48 and a half has me a little bit concerned. I thought it maybe would move down to maybe 48, 47 and a half. Hasn't gotten to that number just yet. All yeah, right, Ben, really quick. I cut you off there, but I think going with your under play what about the first half under i i have to double check what that what that number is i i think i might 
just because I like where your head's at with the under, but I feel like Stafford's going to throw an interception. I, I, I'm, I feel like Stafford, there's going to be game-changing plays in the turnover department, but I just feel like these two teams, they play very conservative, and Cincinnati, they're bottom three in neutral game pace. I feel like this game's going to come out really slow, and both teams are going to be really, really you know, buttoned up early. And then as we get into the game, you're going to see that Stafford interception. You're going to see the Burrow big sack, maybe a fumble. I think you're going to see a very slow start to this one. So I like the under in the game, but I feel like if I'm betting it, I might look to the first half under just to kind of piggyback on your point. So the the actual number over at WinBet right now, um, and I'm someone who usually likes first quarter numbers uh, as opposed to, to first half numbers, but I, I think I'm with you here, Reed, because the, the line on this is 23 and a half over at WinBet. I like that under, I think. I think I do too. Um, like 10, because I can, 7, 10, 7 and a half? Yeah, I, that I sounds can, I think it might me. be really tight. Especially I, I, the, the, the way the Bengals came out in the AFC Championship game where Zach Taylor like wanted to run the ball on first and second down every single play, every, like every single drive. If they do that again, I, I don't see them scoring a ton of points in the first yeah. half. And how often have the Bengals talked about being a second-half team as well? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's hard. I, I, I shouldn't say it's hard to envision a scenario where the Rams don't um, get off to a nice start because they've done that in the postseason as well. Their offense has clicked. The scripted plays from McVay have been successful. Um, and I do think they're going to test the Bengals secondary initially, but I, I do think you're right, right? I think that pace might slow down. Uh, 23 and a half feels like a reasonable number. If you're looking to go under on the first half, you also get good odds over at WinBet as well. The over right now at minus 120 uh, for the first half at 23 and a half under is uh, just at minus 110. So definitely. Yeah, that's going, that's going in the account right now as we yeah. walk. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing like an early morning bet. To, to <laughs> that's, that is the essence of this show. So, with that being said, I, I think it's a good opportunity now to, to start diving into a lot of these different props that we've been looking at. And again, there's going to be even more that come out over the course of the week. Um, remember, um, and, and Reed, I, I know you want to elaborate on this a little bit further, but sort of the, the key thing to understand for anybody that's fairly new into the betting space that, that's looking to get started, that wants to bet some props for the Super Bowl. Um, if you want to go over you got to bet a lot of these numbers sooner rather than later because the public is going to jump on the over and they will never let go. So the sort of the rule of thumb that you have to remember here is early overs, late unders. If you're looking to bet a lot of props on Super Bowl Sunday, unders are likely the way to go. But Reed, I know you had a little bit of follow-up on that. Yeah, no, I just think that when you're, especially the big names, everyone wants like Jamar Chase over receiving because everyone wants to root for Jamar Chase and everyone thinks Jamar Chase is really good. Of course he is, but it's finding the best number. I think that if you could find the opening numbers and try and give yourself a value of, okay, if a prop is going to be five yards ahead because everyone's bet into it already, you've missed the number. You've missed that great, you know, original number. Odell Beckham is someone that's been adjusted pretty high over these postseason, but is the line high enough? Maybe not. People are going to keep betting into Odell Beckham props, Matt Stafford and Joe Burrow passing props. All these guys are going to be bet overs because no one's going to see an under, but you have to find that buy point of, okay, this is actually too high. It's more likely he's going to go under. So I could give out my, where I'm looking in the prop market. I'm actually going more like off the beaten path, I guess. I'm looking at Tyler Boyd overs, and then I'm waiting to see the injury reports on CJ Uzama and Tyler Higby before I bet both teams tight end over uh, receiving props. I think both teams are going to look to pass. I think this game is going to pick up at a certain point, but Tyler Boyd is really my key for this Bengals offense because 
if the Rams are going to bring a four-man front because they don't blitz at, you know, uh, insane clip anyway, I think they're going to drop a lot of guys back in um, to coverage. That's going to open up Tyler Boyd underneath. He's their most um, used short route receiver. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I think, are going to receive the Jalen Ramsey coverage. I think they're going to go deep. Boyd's receiving yards prop is only at 40 and a half. His receptions prop is at four um, with even money. I think Boyd's going to be involved often. I'm probably going to be kind of sprayed across the board on him as well, him to score a touchdown. I think Boyd is really that kind of X-factor guy that I could see actually having a big game compared to Higgins and Jamar Chase. What about for you, Peter? Yeah, I, I'm looking at, at Cooper Cup's receiving yards. It's at 105.5 right now, and I, I believe the over is juiced to minus 125 at win. And if you look at Cooper Cup's last two games, he's gone for 142 and 183 um, in the receiving department. So I think this is going to fly. People are going to look at that and be like, oh, he goes over this every game. And so um, I, I, I really think that his number is going to fly. I, I'm hoping it gets up like, you know, if we can push like 110, which is, I doubt it gets that high. But like I, I kind of like the under here. I think that the Cincinnati uh, defense has been really good. Like we, I said, they shut down Tyree Kill in the second half of that AFC championship game. So depending upon where this one goes to, I'm going to wait and see and see if I can grab the under just because as great as Cooper Cup is, like it is not easy to just – put up 130, 140 yards every week. And so if everybody thinks that's what the status quo is going to be and it's going to move um, much further over 105, that that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, but I also like right now the over on Joe Burrow's pass attempts. It's a 36 and a half. And I want to grab this one like we talked about early in the week. You want to take the overs before it, um, it moves because right now Burrow has gone four or five games. He's gone over. Um, that number and if they're going to be playing from behind the way the spread indicates or he's going to be running for his life I expect him he's gonna to have to throw the ball a decent amount so um, do love the burrow over but wait and see on the cup under I think that that line's going to move a lot yeah and I think the other thing to consider there too is that if you're going if you do expect the Rams to be throwing quite a bit um, and, and Peter I know that you like the the over on burrow passing attempts so maybe that leads into uh, something else with Tyler Boyd as well but um I think especially with Cup, if, if you think he's going to be limited, maybe that does create an opportunity to go over on somebody else. Uh, maybe Odell Beckham is in play. Maybe somebody like Tyler Higby. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity to go deep to Van Jefferson. Sometimes if you're leaning under on some of these other big-name guys, it does create an overvalue to you know, a handful of other players on that team. So uh, we'll see whether or not some of those other numbers move throughout the course of the week. Uh, I'm on Joe Burrow as well, but not for um, not for passing yards. I really like his over uh, in rushing yards. Right now, that is just a little bit high over at Wimbet. It's at minus 125. Um, I I've talked to you guys about this last week. I, I still envision a scenario where this year's Super Bowl is reminiscent to last year's Super Bowl, where Pat Mahomes uh, and a disheveled Chiefs offensive line spent him running for his life the entire time against Tom Brady and the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers front four. Um, you know, Mahomes, there is a stat from Next Gen that said he ran for just under 500 yards in that game, just trying to escape. The final result was five uh, rushes for 33 yards, but um, the Rams, what they do so well is they don't need to blitz. They blitz the, the 23rd most amount of times in the NFL this year, uh, but they had a sack rate uh, in the top three. So they're going to create a lot of pressure directly from the guys up front and still be able to move. Like you said, when we mentioned the zone defense, um, they're still going to be able to have a lot of guys in place and Rams is going to be able to take whatever guy he wants here. So I still think they're going to generate pressure and Burrow will have to run at some point. And some of those design runs on third and long 
where Burrow just kind of waited a quick second and then just went right back up the middle, ended up being really effective against Kansas City. I think that's going to be something that they absolutely game plan for because Burrow is a lot tougher to bring down than I think a lot of folks anticipated. So the yeah, 11 against the Chiefs. Yeah, against, against the Chiefs, he had a few big runs, scrambles on third downs for sure. Yeah, and, and that I think changed an element for them. I, I think now defenses kind of have to remember that it's something that they can pull off. So if all of a sudden Burrow starts doing it again and gets one yard, you know, gets one rush for six, seven yards, uh, that creates a few more opportunities for him to be able to move the chains, keep the ball on the field for them. So I really think it's a good opportunity for him to go over that number. We're already seeing the juice go in that direction. So I believe that that number is absolutely going to change by the end of the week. So we've gone over how we feel a week later from our initial leans. We've talked about the props that we feel are on the move. Let's dive into our best bets for today. We got, of course, two games in the NBA, one game in college. So, Reed, I will kick things off with you since you are the lone college bet. Uh, Looking into the Atlantic 10, um, and we head to Richmond, Virginia for this game between uh, Richmond as an eight-point favorite against George Mason. Who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to take the dog, George Mason, here. I just think that Richmond's a team I am looking to play on, but it seems like the market is almost ahead of the wagon. I think that eight points is too much. Even bumping up Richmond, who is due for some better shooting down the stretch of this season, I can't, I can't get past six here. George Mason George Mason is the much better team around the rim, top 50 in um, near proximity percentage. Also, the better three-point shooting team. They're shooting nearly 30, 39% from three this season. I think this is a lot of points. George Mason's also six and one against the spread on the road this season and as an underdog. So I like them. I think they can hang around eight points is a lot to get to in a conference game and Richmond coming off a big win against St. Bonaventure on Friday. I just see a bit of a letdown. This game is a little bit closer. Yeah. I, I really like that call on, on Richmond over, over the Bonnies uh, tailed you on that one. Thank you. Uh, appreciated that play as well. Uh, Peter, it's uh, once again, a Monday, it's a, another opportunity for you to, uh, for some reason, bet the Knicks, but uh, I will give you the platform to go ahead and make your case here. They are seven and a half point dogs against the Utah Jazz. Uh, please, we're, we're, we've been trying to help you. <laughs> what do you think it's going to be? What do you think? We've been trying. Be? We've been trying to help you. We, we, the the roller coaster ride that you put yourself through each and every day that the Knicks play is a lot to handle. But uh, the, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. Listen. I mean. This isn't for the faint of heart. I can tell you that. Um, if you, you want to back the Knicks? Your yeah, this is uh, this is this is rough, man. Um, I got I gotta say, I didn't bet on the Knicks when they played the Lakers, and I am so glad I didn't because that would have been a absolutely awful beat to lose that game in overtime. So I feel terrible for everybody who took the Knicks plus five and a half in that game because that was that was not fun. That's but tough. tonight, I think the Knicks can cover the seven and a half. Rudy Gobert, he has calf injury. He's not going to play for the Jazz. If you look at the Jazz this year, in 11 games that Gobert has missed, they are 3-8 and eight straight up, and they have only won one game against the shorthanded Brooklyn Nets by more than four points in those three wins. Um, and the other thing I think that is the most important part is the Jazz are very good defensively when Rudy Gobert is in. They are horrible defensively when he is out there, 25th in the NBA in defensive rating. Before they won their last two games when Donovan Mitchell returned, they had the worst defensive rating in the NBA when Rudy Gobert was not in the lineup. So I think this is a game where a Knicks team that likes to slow the pace and play defense might be able to get some easier baskets down low. I think this benefits Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett a lot getting to the rim. Um, the Knicks we saw against the Lakers, they went right at Anthony Davis, and it worked. They they were able to get to the rim. They got a lot of easy buckets. They drew a lot of fouls. I mean, 
the second half offense was absolutely terrible. you got to think Tom Thibodeau goes back to his bench a little bit more considering R.J. Barrett played 49 minutes on Saturday. Emmanuel quickly only played five minutes in that loss. So I got to think him, Quentin Grimes, they get a little bit more action um, in this game, maybe change up and give them some more offense. But I, I think Utah's by far the better team. I would not touch Nick's money line in a million years, but I just don't think seven and a half points is enough for a team that really has played pretty terrible without Rudy Gobert this year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And especially given what, what the Knicks might be able to do inside without Gobert, um, I think that's going to slow the tempo down. So I would almost consider the under uh, in this mm-hmm. matchup as well over between the Knicks and the Jazz. But I do like the play. I, I We know we give you a hard time about the Knicks, but I, I actually do really like that call. I'll probably tell you, I'll probably tell you <laughs> on that one tonight. Uh, I'm going with another NBA game. I like Miami. I got them last night at minus four when I was putting the show together. That line has since moved to minus five. Over at WinBet, they are on the road against Washington. Uh, The Wizards are just a a bizarre team right now, and they're also dealing with some injuries with Bradley Beal. He's been out the last three games, Um, and and their offense is just so stagnant at this point. They're not moving the ball particularly well. Kyle Kuzma has been leading them in scoring, and anytime Kyle Kuzma is your leading scorer, you might want to step back and reevaluate things for for just a second. But uh, they just got stomped, by the way, in their home building against the Suns. They only scored 80 points. Uh, at home uh, against a very good Phoenix team, albeit, but uh, they just had no movement whatsoever. They were settling for bad outside shots. There's just zero confidence with the Wizards right now, especially in their home buildings. Five straight losses, less than 100 points in four of their last six games. Uh, Meanwhile, you have a Miami team that cruised off a victory on Saturday night. That's when both of these teams last played. Uh, The Heat are a top six defensive efficiency team. You mix that in with the Washington team that can't score right now. They're a bottom eight offensive rating team in the league. Just does not feel like a good scenario. And we still don't know if Bradley Beal is going to play the way in which the line is moving would indicate that he's probably again out. And if he is out, uh, I wouldn't surprise if this line ends up uh, maybe with Miami minus or my, yeah, my, Miami, maybe minus seven, minus seven and a half. So jump on this one early. I, I think Miami is going to be in complete control the entire game, regardless of whether Beal plays or not. But if he does not play, then you're not going to be able to get it at this line uh, a little bit later on. So there you have it guys. That is our show. The first edition of bet and breakfast for Super Bowl week at the new time. Um, if anyone's just joining us for the first time, so glad to have you on with us here on the live stream. Or if you're just checking us out on the podcast, please make sure you rate and review us uh, wherever you get this podcast from. We'll, of course, have plenty of Super Bowl coverage all week long, not just here on Bet and Breakfast, but at Bet Sided and right here on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, I think we mentioned a little bit early on, we're going to have a prop bet draft coming up later on in the week. Uh, we'll have our best bets for props coming up a little bit later on this week as well. So this is the place to be if you want extended, fun Super Bowl coverage that is easily digestible uh, and relatable for everybody under the sun. We're not going to bombard you with as much stuff as possible. We're going to help you win your way over the course of the week. So for my guys, Reed and Peter, I am Ben. We thank you so much for joining us. We will be back on Thursday for a brand new episode of Bet and Breakfast and maybe a surprise along the way as well. Until then, talk to you then. So long. 